0: You're listening to Grounded, a podcast by the Oregon Department of Energy.
1: Hello, and welcome to Grounded. I am your host, Erica Zeigler. And on this episode, we connect with Odo's Energy Technology and Policy Manager, Jessica Rikers. I met with Jessica in 2021 here on Grounded to discuss the very first biennial zero emission vehicle report, and have patiently been waiting for two years to talk to her about the second one, that was just published in September. Let's listen. Hi, Jessica. Good morning. And I'm so glad you're here with me today on Grounded. Uh, today I invited you so we could talk about the second buys of report that we've done. And uh, there's some really exciting things that I'm curious about uh, for you to elaborate on now that we've we've accomplished a second one. Can we start though with you telling us what the buys of is? And why do we do it?
0: Absolutely. So thanks, Erica. I am so glad to be here Um, as always. I enjoy the podcast itself, but um, love talking about zero emission vehicles. It's one of my favorite subjects, as you know. Um, So the BIZEB, that stands for the Biennial Zero Emission Vehicle Report, and this is a report the legislature asked us to do to assess how we are achieving our zero emission vehicle adoption goals in the state, as well as how that is helping us address our greenhouse gas emissions in the state. So it's a report to sort of assess the state's general progress on reducing emissions in, in the transportation sector from zero emission vehicle adoption.
1: Wonderful. And this is our our second one. Mm -hmm. It's exciting. Okay. So the biggest thing that I've been wondering, and everyone is invited to read both of them and, you know, come to your own conclusion, but from your perspective and the work that you've done with this, how has the zero emissions landscape changed in two years from the, you know, the first one we did to to now?
0: Two things that I want to highlight. One Mm -hmm. is uh, just the generally more widely available electric vehicles now. um We we had a handful available back in the last buys of. We didn't quite have any pickup trucks available, although they became available within a couple months of publishing that right. first report. Right, I remember.
1: Yes, I yeah. remember talking to you about that, and you know, doing specific things, and and yeah, it was really exciting. It was like they're not quite here yet, but here's some pictures. And yeah, yeah it's like exactly. no, they're here. They're all you see them whenever you drive around.
0: Yeah, yep, and I in Very fact. Cool. I saw my first Rivian in Oregon sometime around December, right after that first one came out, mm-hmm. a crossing over the St. John's Bridge, of all things. Nice, so nice. Um, I was driving with my husband in the car, and I I flipped out. I was like, that's a Rivian on the road.
1: <laughs> I <bet>. So, <laughs> I still get excited when I see them. They're cool vehicles.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, So that's one big thing. There's a lot more models and definitely if you want a van, if you want to pick up a sedan or a a crossover, um, all of those things are now available in electric formats out there. The second thing that um, I wanted to talk about is is just really on the landscape of charging. Mm -hmm. So right as we were finishing up this report, The charging world kind of got turned on its head in what I think is a really positive way. So when you're out and you need to use a DC fast charger, so you want to charge your car up quickly, uh, there were three different charging standards that you would need to know which one you could use. Teslas use a Tesla standard that's called the North American Charging Standard or Mm NACS, And... um, Most cars that were not Tesla used what's called a CCS charger, combined charging standard, and then some of the legacy vehicles and continuing with the Nissan Leafs of today, they use what's called a CHAdeMO standard. And so it it was a complicated field, Um, and you had to know your car and know where you could charge and where you couldn't charge. Um, but literally in in the month of August before we put this report out, um, announcements started to come out that many vehicle manufacturers were starting to adopt Tesla's NAC standard mm. and that this would begin with the development of their 2025 model year. So 2025 model year vehicles for almost every manufacturer at this point. I think VW is the biggest holdout manufacturer right now. Um, but everybody else pretty much has said we're gonna start putting the Tesla NAC standard on our vehicles for fast charging. So that means that those vehicles can use Tesla stations to charge up. And um, that's great because Tesla has far more charging station opportunities than uh, all the other charging uh, companies combined. So it it really increases the amount of chargers available for people um, out there. And not only that, but that, that tesla charging standard then is something that other companies who have chargers can start to implement at their sites so that that just expands the sites for everybody um and that's a big deal because there are places where it can be hard to find charging still to this day so i foresee that as this is just now beginning to roll out like you you can't go to a tesla station right now and charge um I'm sorry, you can't go to a non Tesla station right now and charge a Tesla car for the most part. They have a few pilots out that I'm aware of. But over the coming year, you're going to start to see that being available more and more um, in different places. So um, you'll also see, if you're a Tesla driver, people that are driving other cars that are going to be given adapters that they'll, you know, you might see a Ford F 150 Lightning charging next to you or something yeah. like that. So um, it's going to be Get a whole your favorite new world. charging
1: spot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we got to share. That is really neat, though, because, yes, I absolutely see more Tesla chargers. And, yeah, that's that's really neat when it comes to, you know, having a competitive product is, yeah. you know, coming together and doing that. Very cool. Absolutely.
0: And just easier for everybody.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, yeah, so that just takes me right into my third question. Um, It charging is huge. And we talked about it a lot then with the first one and talking about it, you know, even more with the second one. Um, I know that there's a lot of conversations around workplace charging, increasing that and then also um, more of your apartment style type living um, and in rentals. And that's been really challenging. Uh, Do you think we've made some progress on um, those areas?
0: So It's hard to say for sure Mm -hmm. um, in this respect. Uh, One of the reasons is that while we can get some data on who is driving these vehicles, we don't necessarily have one-to-one data. So we don't know exactly whether someone's living in an apartment who buys Mm -hmm. an electric vehicle or they live in a single family home. But what I can tell you is that there's been progress made on increasing access for people. So um, one thing I wanted to point out is the Oregon Department of Transportation has a new community charging program that they um, started up last year. That program has money for putting in level two or even level one charging in communities. So ostensibly that kind of charging would really be helpful to people living and working within those communities. This isn't really designed to help travelers, although, you know, certainly a traveler could use it, especially if they're staying in that community overnight, they might plug into a level two. But That provides more charging for people who are living in apartments or wanting to charge at their workplace. If they can put in some charging nearby, that would be accessible to them to plug in for longer periods of time. So that's been a really great program. Um, I'm happy to announce that they uh, completely got all their program um, dollars have been accounted for now. And they they set aside, I think it's 70%. Um, of the money goes to disadvantaged communities, environmental justice communities. So not only are these chargers going out to help communities in general, but they're going into communities where it might be harder to get that kind of charging made available for people living in those areas. And then apart from that, we did see, you know, largely the data showed us that that the difference in adoption rates between areas that have more single family homes versus more multi-unit homes didn't change much, it was pretty much the same, but we did see a bit of an uptick in the number of places that had more multi-unit family homes having a higher adoption rate. We don't know if those adoptions were in the multi-unit homes, um, but at least it was in areas where there were multi, multi-family homes in the, in the area. So potentially it might've gotten better, we just
1: don't know for sure. Interesting, thank you for sharing that. Let's see. Um yeah, with these reports, we we uh, go back over Oregon's goals and you know how we're doing with those. So are we on track? Are we meeting some of them? how How are we doing?
0: so we we hit our 50,000 ev goal a little late um it was we were supposed to hit it in 2020 uh 50,000 registered electric vehicle goals we didn't hit that number until the following year into um uh, or actually two following years into 2022 and part of that was because of covid um mm-hmm. in particular it wasn't because of people not buying cars although that was part of it but it was also that just general di- um, problems with the uh, supply chains, so that the cars right, couldn't yeah. get made. Mm-hmm. Um, microchips were were needed. Like they were, there were pictures I saw of just cars, not even necessarily electric vehicles, just cars waiting at yeah. manufacturers to just get a single chip put in them, so that they could then be shipped out to be sold. So, um, the, and we're still experiencing that. We're still there's some supply chain slowdowns still that are causing um, it to be harder to get cars built. Uh, but that was definitely a contributing factor to um, being a little bit late on that. So our next goal is 2025, and that's to have 250,000 registered EVs. And what we found is we're not on track to hit that. Okay. Um, we have really high growth rate of EV adoption in Oregon. In general, we are right behind California with Washington state. We in Washington have this sort of ongoing battle of who's gonna Mm -hmm. be second or third in in EV adoption. Um, And uh, that's great. So we have a high adoption rate in the state, but we found we'd really need to double our adoption rate between now and the end of 2025 if we wanna hit that 250,000 registered EV goal. On the plus side though, we found we're on track to hit our goal for 2030. And we're on track to hit our goal, in fact, exceed our goal by 2035. So by 2035, we want to have 100% of sales being electric vehicles. Um, And that was, we actually, the goal was 90%. And now it's 100% because this is a a new rule that DEQ recently put in place. So we're going to exceed that 90% by 2035. Um, And then we expect once you hit 2035 and you're getting that 100% of sales are electric vehicles, Mm -hmm. that the natural overturn in the fleet, Means that somewhere around 2050, you're looking at probably almost every vehicle on Oregon's roads um, that are light duty would be
1: electric. Wow, yeah, that's not that far off. You know, it's not. When you think about it. Yeah, it's not exciting future. The future is here. That's very exciting. Um, how does that compete with the rest of the country or compare with the rest of the country? Those well, numbers. Like I said, we
0: have really high adoption rate. Mm-hmm. Um, we're we're always um, right behind California mm-hmm. and right there up there with Washington. Um, there's really I, I I don't even think there's anyone that's really well. That's not true. Colorado is really high in adoption rate for um, electric vehicles as well, and they might start giving us a run for our money. We mm-hmm. can't we can't let the ones beat us here in Oregon. Yeah, so yeah. we've got to keep uh, keep, 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 keep moving on. Yeah. <laughs> um. But definitely way we are way far ahead of adoption compared to big swaths of of many parts of the country. So that's really good news for us. And what's even better news for us is there's a couple of really strong benefits for EV adoption in Oregon that don't necessarily apply in, in all other parts of the country. The first is that we have really high gas rates in uh, our, the cost to buy gas in, in the do. Northwest is high. Mm-hmm. Um, the only places where it's really higher are Alaska and Hawaii, it's hard because it's higher because they have to be shipped there and it, it just mm-hmm. makes it more expensive but also California um, is also more expensive but beyond that we're usually right up there um, so it's really expensive to buy gas in our in our area and by the way if you want to know why uh, we talk about that in our, our biennial energy report um, which is the report we work on every other year so um, happy to happy uh, for people to check that out if you're interested in how our energy costs are determined. But we pay a lot for gas up here. Um, in fact, I was just on a trip down in the southern, southeastern part of the United States. I drove from Arizona to Alabama, mm-hmm. and I saw gas was available for $2.67 was the lowest that I saw it. But in wow. general, through most of the South, it was
1: less than $3 a gallon. Yeah. Um, Where was that $2.60? cents? it was
0: somewhere in oklahoma between oklahoma city and the arkansas border so i believe it and a a truck stop there sure yeah um but it's it's a lot cheaper there to buy gas up Mm -hmm. here um it was above five dollars a gallon um even for regular for quite a while i think it's now fallen to under under five but just barely um so it's expensive to buy gas up here we also have Conversely, some of the lowest electric utility rates in the country. Mm -hmm. We're not the lowest. There's some states that have lower utility rates than we do, but um, we're pretty low on the scale of of electricity rates. So if you can pay for your fuel through charging your vehicle at home, you're really gonna have this amazing um, reduction in the amount that you spend on your transportation fuel. And yes, um, huge. I think that's what makes Oregon like when you talk about why adopting an Oregon, why Oregon is such a leader. I think we just have a lot of really strong benefits to adopting yeah. electric vehicles.
1: That makes sense. Yeah. All right. Um, and this is something that I'm curious about. And I know that you and your team and, you know, all of Odo, we keep very busy and there's a lot of things we keep our eyes on, a lot of things we do. So there is, you know, the the two year year. Uh, uh, span between each report. And um, I know you've got several authors that work on this report. What do they do during those two years to, you know, to keep these things in mind and to, you know, see where, I mean, where how they're going to structure and get this information out every two years?
0: Great question. And we do a lot of work at the department mm-hmm. just listening and gathering information But also working with mostly our sister agencies, but in some cases, private and other public organizations Mm -hmm. to help think through some of the challenges that face us. So, um, the first thing I want to talk about is we are participants in the um, Every Mile Counts initiative, which is Mm. led by the Oregon Department of Transportation. And the goal of that team is for the agencies that participate to help um, move forward the initiatives listed in ODOT's statewide transportation strategy so this is how can we do our transportation systems in a way that help us reduce greenhouse gas emissions and zero emission vehicles are a really crucial part of that right like it's it's the 40 percent 36 to 40 percent it, it varies year to year on how much transportation contributes to our our total greenhouse gas emissions but All of the transportation sector is over a third of our total emissions and light duty vehicles alone account for about slightly less than two thirds of that. So if you really want to hit that 40 percent, 36 to 40 percent of emissions, getting people into electric vehicles really helps reduce down that amount of, of, um, of greenhouse gases. So that's the point of that Every Mile Counts team. And a subset of that is the best acronym in all of governmental history, the ZEVIWIG. The (laughs) ZEVIWIG is the Zero Emission Vehicle Interagency Working Group. And this is led by the Oregon Department of Transportation, and we at ODO participate in it. So does the Department of Environmental Quality our Oregon Public Utility Commission, as well as our Department of Administrative Services, who's sort of like the the overarching administrative group for the the state. And we work on ways that we can cooperate and collaborate to help push more electric vehicle adoption in the state. So we spend time participating in that group, developing materials in support of that group to help drive, new uh, policies and programs that are really out there to help uh, drive electric vehicle adoption. We also attend conferences or monitor webinars where there's more information coming out about mm-hmm. what kinds of, of programs are available. So yeah. we've spent some time this year. We just submitted a legislative con, or sorry, not a legislative concept. We just submitted a grant um, concept paper to the U.S. Department of Energy to help bring in some additional funds to put in fast charging out in Eastern parts of Oregon. Nice. Um, and this is this is something that we do a lot of, which is trying to find funding for us to help do some of the work that we wanna do. Um, and federal funding is, is, there's a lot of it happening right now. So it takes a lot of people to keep an eye on it all sure. and look for those yeah. opportunities.
1: Yeah, and take action to, yeah. Yeah, to see how we can get involved and get that stuff going here. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And then we just generally, we we read a lot of information, we pull r- reports and studies. So we're looking, you know, it's great to learn what other states have done. And even yes. better is to look at what other states have done and see what worked for them, yeah. what didn't what work did for them not. and why. Yes. Um, and we take that information in so that that can help inform new policies and new programs rolling out um, going forward. So, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of engagement with other zero emission vehicle people. Uh, there's a lot of research that's going on, a lot of data pulling that's going on, and also the last thing is we love to play around with data we love to take it and then go hey I've got a question how can I how can I maybe answer my question with the data that's available out there yeah. so um there's there's a lot of spreadsheet fun we we like to say spreadsheets are fun and engaging I don't know if everybody feels <laughs> that way but we do
1: <laughs> that's good that's definitely good for for how you help us cool yeah I you know, I get to work with you guys, which is great. But then also it's like I know it, you know, they don't just touch these main things, you know, once every two years. Let's talk about that. Absolutely. Very neat stuff. Um, and that reminds me, I'm going to share with uh with the listeners um the electric vehicle dashboard, the the um zero emissions. I don't know what do we call it? Is it it's, EV, lovingly it's our EV? electric
0: vehicle dashboard? Okay. Yeah, okay. or E V yeah. dashboard for short. Yes. Um, you know, it does get confusing. Does the ZEV, Z-E-V versus EV, um, because ZEV is zero emission vehicle and EV is electric vehicle. Um, And we use them interchangeably because in Oregon, um really everywhere electric vehicles and zero emission vehicles are the same um the one addition that we haven't really talked about in oregon because we don't have any yet are fuel cell electric vehicles which are also known as hydrogen vehicles Um, we don't really have any of those in the state because we don't have any fueling for them right now but we know that they're coming we have hydrogen fueled um uh in warehouses like the Mm -hmm. the um pallet movers and things like that. A few warehouses are bringing in and they have their own hydrogen supply.
1: So they they charge it there. Um, yeah, a lot of folks are interested in those and I am too. Um, what do you think it's going to be? Um, do you think it's going to be a state led, let's get this going, or do you think it's going to be a demand and then the state will get charging in and what do you see?
0: Um, right now, really exciting news is that there was a, um, collaboration between Washington State and Oregon, as well as some private entities that were interested in hydrogen. And they put together the Pacific Northwest Hydrogen Hub application with the U.S. Mm -hmm. Department of Energy. And it was announced about a month ago that they had received the um, go-ahead for the project Mm -hmm. in the Pacific Northwest. And this is a huge amount of money. Um, I I think it's $1 billion, and yeah. we might want to check on that before we sure, publish sure. this, but <laughs> sure. um, I think it's a $1 billion to put in hydrogen-fueling hub in the Pacific Northwest. And once that hub is in place, you could see rolling from that um, more hydrogen-fueling infrastructure being available um, as it's easier to get a hold of the hydrogen um, mm-hmm. to put in place. And hydrogen is a really interesting one because when it comes to electric vehicles, battery electric vehicles and medium and heavy duty, Mm -hmm. it can sometimes be a harder lift, um, especially if they're like long haul Mm -hmm. uh, type vehicles, because you have to be able to fuel them. Um, And electric vehicles, we don't have anywhere right now, other than one place that's a pilot project that Portland General Electric worked on, in uh, with Daimler Truck North America right. on Swine Island in Portland, mm-hmm. and they can charge up big trucks there. But other than that, there's nowhere to charge big vehicles like that. Hydrogen would probably be an easier lift, more mm-hmm. inexpensive to put in the fueling infrastructure if we could just get the hydrogen up here. So it wouldn't surprise me to see in the next decade Mm-hmm. Um, hydrogen fueling infrastructure available um, for the big trucks. And that would, of course, mean that they would be available for the smaller vehicles as well. Right, so
1: right.
0: probably probably on the radar.
1: Yeah. Keep an eye on that, but but still definitely in the infancy of, yeah, of anything there. For sure. Very cool. Wow. Um, well, I love that report. It's one of my absolute favorites that we do. Is there anything else you'd like to leave us with before we wrap up? Just I always want to tell people if you're
0: interested in one of the things that you what you can do to help reduce your local impact on greenhouse gas emissions buying and driving an electric vehicle is probably one of the biggest ways to reduce greenhouse gas emissions that you can do. Um, It's not the only one. We have Mm -hmm. programs throughout Odo that Mm -hmm. help you reduce your energy consumption that also reduces emissions, but uh, it's definitely up there. And uh, if you're thinking of buying a new car, definitely check out our Go Electric website that we work on and um, uh, just take a look at what's available because electric vehicle might be right for you.
1: Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Huge benefits, pocketbook and communities and yeah, environment. Fantastic. Absolutely. Well, as always, I love t- chatting with you. I will let you go and um, hopefully we can connect sooner than later. If not, maybe the next one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. Thank you so <laughs> Thanks, much. Erica. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that's it for this episode. I hope you had just as much fun as I did and please check out the energy info blog post about this episode we have lots of fun photos and of course those resources that Jessica and I discussed I'll make sure those are in the show notes thank you so much for joining us and remember stay grounded